1: Well, thank you to our worship team. Thank you for being here today. Whether you're here at Rock Spring, Dalton, Rossville, watching online, thank you so much for engaging. Psalm 100, if you have your Bibles today, Psalm 100. I started a sermon series a few weeks ago entitled Sing a New Song, a journey through some of our favorite Psalms. We're going to look at some of those. As a matter of fact, because of my sickness and some other interruptions we had in my preaching schedule, uh, we're going to, um, I'm going to have to save some of these till later. And so I may preach a few of them in the new year, uh, as we get there, because I was really excited about some of these sermons in the sermon series. So I may, I may do something closer to Christmas and then uh, change it up a little bit, preach a couple of them in the new year. You just, um, uh, be the first time I've ever kind of done that, but I want to, I want to preach on this this morning. Psalm 100, get your praise on. Psalm 100 is, a, is really a psalm, a song about church. It's a psalm about our worship on Sunday mornings. And so I, I want to deal with that a little bit and look and see what the psalmist said about our worship life as it comes to uh, 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 what we do here on Sundays. Did you know that there is a whole psychology of excitement, people study the emotion of excitement when you and I get excited. They don't. They don't. Um, uh, they don't just assume excitement is something that can't be helped or can't be studied. They study it, and when they study excitement, here are some of the things that we learn about excitement. Did you know that excitement, when you get excited, it starts in the brain, and it has, but it still has, even though it's mental. It has a strong physiological response. Here's what we mean by that. That excitement starts in your brain, but it works its way out through your body. Here's what uh, uh, the psychology of excitement will tell us that you will visibly manifest excitement in some shape, form, or fashion. You will visibly manifest excitement. In some shape. See, so th- well, here's what that means. You can't really say, you, this is not really a true statement if you're sitting in your chair and you're like this and you're like, I'm really excited right now. <laughs> Does it work that way? excitement shows on your face excitement shows it's a strong physiological response not only that it takes about 20 minutes for the power of excitement to pass so when you get really excited about something it's not a quick cool down it's going to take you a minimum after the excitement is over about 20 minutes for you to calm down a little bit excitement i love this leads to impulsivity and makes you more likely to make a decision good or bad when you get excited You're more prone to pull the trigger, good or bad. So I thought about this. I was studying for this sermon, and I thought this. If you're stuck on a decision in life, I know what you need to do. Go to Lake Winnipesoka, get on the cannonball, ride the cannonball, and just make a call when you get off. You say, well, that may be a bad decision. Well, at least you did something though, right? You just did something. Because you're, you're more likely to make a decision when you have a measure of excitement in your life. And then finally, you're more likely to purchase something when you are in an excited state. So when you, during this 20 minutes of excitement, you're more likely to whip out your credit card and swipe it whether you want it or not. Now, I'm going to illustrate this to you and you're going to go, ah, when you go to Disney World and you ride the ride, where do they shuffle everybody to after the ride? The gift shop. shop. You know why? Because you're more likely to purchase something stupid you'll never use again right after you get off the ride. You know, the first thing you see when you get off the ride, you go to Disney World, you ride a thrilling ride that's going to bring a lot of excitement in your life. You know, the first thing they try to get you to buy the worst photo you've ever taken in your life, right? Because you get off the ride and you walk by a bank of television screens and there you are like this and you're like, I got to have that. I have got to have that. You would never buy that any other time in your life. You're never going to go buy some of the junk that's especially at the prices they are in the gift shop, but you're on your 20 minutes of excitement and you can't let it go. You got to buy something. Why? Because the psychology of excitement says you will, uh, uh, if you get all hopped up, you're going to want to spend something. Now, when you look at excitement, you you can say excitement is neither good nor bad, but it has some positive qualities for us. Did you know? Excitement. Uh, causes something called flashbulb memory. That is, your brain produces a vivid memory of highly emotional, arousing, or what we would call an exciting event. So, when you have an exciting event in your life, your brain takes a snapshot of it and will remember it until the day you die. For example, if you're my age, now I, I'm I'm gonna I normally try to downplay my age, but I'll I'll, I'll give you a little indication. Elvis died when I was nine years old. How many of you that remember, were, were around there in Elvis, how many of you remember the day Elvis died? You can tell us what's going on. You know how I remember the day Elvis died? I was, we lived in a subdivision, a fairly compacted subdivision. I was nine years old. My, my adult neighbor came stumbling out of her house, wailing in the driveway and collapsed because Elvis had died. We didn't believe it. I mean, I guess we thought Elvis was going to live forever. Like, we didn't believe. And if you'd watched a few of his last concerts, boy, wasn't in good shape. I mean, it wasn't a lot of surprise that Elvis died. But we remember it because it was a highly emotional. If you're old enough and I ask you where you were on 9-11, you remember because, because it was a highly charged event. And most people can tell me every detail of September 11, 2001. Let me get a little bit closer for some of you who are a little bit younger. Um, If I ask you, if I said, tell me about when you first got COVID, right? Most of us have a story to tell when it comes to COVID. Why? Because when most of us got COVID within that first year of it coming out, you know, there was still a a lot of hysteria surrounding COVID. And so we can tell you every single detail. Why? Why? Because of excitement, it took a a a flash bulb picture in your mind, and you you um, you you don't forget it. Here's what we do forget. Uh, Let me let me just keep going. I mean, I go on forever on some of this. It's why you remember the early Christmases in your life, but not the later Christmases in your life. Because Christmas was such a new event for you as a child. By the time you get. You know, in your 30s like I am, you've had so many of them that you don't, they're not as memorable, but you can still go back and remember those first few. It's a flashbulb because of the excitement. I'm telling you all that to say this, we tend to forget the mundane and the repetitive because they have no emotional tag to them. Now let's talk about Psalm Psalm 100. Because what Psalm 100 is telling me, what God is trying to tell me, that a worship service, a church service should resemble more of that e- emotional event in my life. That that impressive, exciting event in my life. That's why church is not meant to be mundane or boring. That's why the worship service at a church ought to be exciting and, in my opinion, a little bit loud. It ought to feel like you're at something. That's why the sermon shouldn't be a book report. Because we are here to worship an almighty God. And I would say to you that God even wants a little excitement in his house. Because when there's excitement in the house of the Lord, you tend to remember it a little bit more. So let's see what he said about getting our praise on. Would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading? It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Psalm 100, of course, we'll read the whole chapter. Psalm 100, verse one, I'm reading now the Christian Standard Bible. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. His people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Thank you, you may be seated. Depending on what translation of the Bible you use, the title of this psalm in your Bible says a psalm of praise or more accurately, it is a psalm of praise. Of Thanksgiving the word praise there in the Hebrew is really more accurately entitled Thanksgiving however Psalm 100 was used in Hebrew worship it was a public worship psalm it set the tone for worship and provided us help in our worship now can I point out to you what I think is the overarching theme of Psalm 100 look in your Bible look at verse number two serve the Lord with gladness. Now here's the phrase, come before him. If you read that in the King James Bible, it says, enter his presence. Can I tell you something about worship on a Sunday morning? I know people like to say, well, God is everywhere. You can worship God anywhere. However, That may be true. There is something about the presence of God's people coming together in worship that the presence of God abides in that place. I mean, we can go verse after verse. You know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, there are in the midst of them. The Bible says the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. That there is something you say, well, God's in my heart. Yes, he is. But do not discount the fact that when you come to a church service, there is this heightened presence of an almighty God. There is this heightened presence of the Christ we serve. And when we come into a worship service, we've got to understand that the Holy Spirit, it, this is not theologically correct, but maybe it's anthropor. Anthropo- help me say that word, Justin, Anthropo. Yeah, he can't say it either. I, we're trying. I, I can't hear it. Anyway, it helps us understand it. Anthropomorphically correct. Now I don't even know what I was going to say. <laughs> Teach me to use a big word. Let me just throw down on Tennessee for a minute. All right, that'll get me back. Um he, he, This is not theologically correct, but it helps us understand it. There's a heightened presence of God when we meet corporately for worship. Now, that's not theologically correct, but it helps us understand that when we come together, it is in the presence of the Lord. Listen, when you're singing the praises of God and you're preaching the word of God, I'm telling you the presence of God is there. So what does that look like for us? Let me talk about how we ought to worship, how we ought to get our praise. I'm going to give you four things today, and I encourage you to write them down. Number one is this, that you ought to come to church ready for worship, that you ought to come to church ready for worship. Now, I want you to notice this phrase in verse number four, enter his gates with. That word with there is so important because the word with implies that you're coming with something in your hand. Uh, celebrated our families uh, we had to do thanksgiving early because when you get in-laws and all that stuff you have to share your kids and so we did ours early yesterday and my wife would send out a text and she would say something what do you want to bring for thanksgiving and they'll and th- here's what they do they walk in my house with something they may walk in my house with cookies. They may walk in my house with a cake. They may walk in my house with a pie or with a, a, a two liter or with something. Something they fix. But you come with something. When you say the word with, you enter his gates with with that is implying that you are coming to church with something in your hands well what is it God wants us to come to church with that God wants us the idea he's trying to get across in verse number four is that we come to church with our hearts already ready for with our lives already for worship hear me this morning Church is not the readying place for worship. You're not supposed to come to church and get your life ready to worship God. You're supposed to come to church with your life already ready for worship. You should be ready from the start. If you want church to be all it can be, if you want church to have the most impact if you want a worship service to really speak in your heart in life, the problem is never going to be the music. And the problem, promise you, is never going to be the message. Somebody say amen. The problem is going to be, are you coming in ready for worship? Because church is not the readying place. Church is the worshiping place. Let me, let me, let me put it in. Uh, let me let me let me put it in perspective this way we're in the middle of nfl season right sundays are not the day for an nfl player to get ready to play i did a little research the average nfl team practices Ten to fourteen we'll hours at, a day, a six days a week. Now, that's not all on the field. Nine years old. that's film study, that's team meetings. That's, season, that's all right? that. But ten to fourteen hours a day, six S- days a week. The average NFL, NFL team is get ready getting ready for a game day. On research Sunday, the average ten NFL to fourteen hours a day. Not only that, some of the some of the legends even more than that. It's said above and beyond fourteen hours a day. That paid manual that nine would nine years study years film pass. and extra Five 20 hours, hours a week. A week. That's Whereas team the meeting. They said t- Peyton Manning all, could tell you every defense I mean, that so t- opposing I, I team ran on and third and, see and what the one said about all season long because he had memorized and studied to, uh, it all week long. Uh, uh, that's we do the effort here they're putting into it. Why? Sunday. Because Sunday is not the time to get ready to play. Sunday is the Today's day to getting play. For a game day can you imagine on a research. Sunday, can you imagine 10 players showing hours up, a day. not only that, that bar, some, of the, some of the legends, 10, even more than some of the same coaches, let me encourage that, ready to play, I didn't practice all week, I hadn't worked out all week, I hadn't lifted a waist, let me do a couple push-ups, right, let's go, I could tell you every defense, number one, morning wouldn't be on the team, them two, he would be in the game. i try to downplay my age, because Sunday's not the time to get ready for an NFL game. Sunday's the time to play. Well, In because NFL. they have no emotional tag to. Them. I can tell you it's much the same when that, it comes right, to getting out right, worship. Baby, practice practice day, church head on, head on, head is game day for head the head Christian. Head what head does that mean, preacher? That, so that means it's fine to pray on Sunday, but you ought to come in prayed up already. It's fine to read your Bible, but you ought to come in Bible time to get ready. It's time to be, Sunday's a fine time to get filled with the Spirit, but you ought to be filled up already. Sunday's a fine time to get your sins for game day you ought to is come Lord, in and It's But you ought to come in and your, your, relationship. Relationship. To to your Bible. Bible. But you ought to come in Bible Bible. Bible. and be ready. For Sunday, already excited about Jesus. Listen, Sunday is a great day to give. But can I tell you this? Uh, As Scott Smith told us last week, Sunday's not the time to decide to give. That's already before you get here. Uh, Giving is an act of worship. They ought to come in ready to give when I get here. Sunday is game day. It's not time to get ready. It's not time to fill up. Sunday, get this, it's time to overflow. How ready are you for worship? See, I'm I'm afraid too many Christians. We don't spend any time prepping for worship at all. We kind of come in. here's Here's the extent of our getting ready for worship. In the parking lot, we say, kids, you shut up and don't embarrass us and don't tell anybody about the fight we've been on the way to church. That's not ready for worship. Ready for worship is on Monday saying, dear God, Sunday's coming, and the singers are going to sing, and the preacher's going to preach, and I want to walk into the place filled with the Spirit of God. I want to walk into the place ready to worship a holy God. I want to walk into the place, and Lord, I want to be prayed up and read up and righteous up, and I want to be at game day. I want to have my game face on on Sundays. How much time do you spend getting ready for worship? You say, preacher, that's your job. No, that's our job. I'm not the only one worshiping Jesus today. That's what we're all doing. My sermon just helps you do it. My sermon just gives you tools to get ready next week for the next Sunday. Get ready to worship. You ought to enter his gates with something. And that something ought to be a readiness to worship an almighty God. You ought not have to sit in the pew and beg God for forgiveness for how you've lived during the week. You ought not to sit in the pew and beg God for forgiveness, for not reading your Bible all week long, not praying all week long, for talking the way you shouldn't have talked and acting the way you shouldn't act. No, take care of that before you get here. And I promise you, Sundays will be different. How do I get my praise on? Number one, I get ready for worship. How ready for worship are you this morning? You depend on me to pull it out? You you depend on the music to make it right? No, you come ready. And I want to promise you this, if you come ready, if the music team lays a dud, you don't care because you're ready for worship. If some other preacher, other than me, lays a dud sermon, you don't care. You're going to get your praise on, get ready for worship. Number two, let me tell you this, you want to get your praise on, come to church with a reason to worship. Reason worship. Let me me walk through this for a second. Verse number two. I'm going to come back to verse number two. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. We're going to come back to that in a moment. But notice, notice all the reasons he gives. Verses three and four. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Look at verse number five. For the Lord is good. And his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Now, look at what all the reasons in those verses he gave us for worship. First of all, I'll call it an admonition. Look at what he says. Acknowledge that he is God. We worship God today. You know why? He's God. There is an acknowledgement process that ought to take place every Sunday morning in your life where you lose yourself in the fact God is God and you are not. He is God. Sometimes the reason we can't get our praise on, we can't get our worship right, is because we're coming in trying to fix all the problems in our lives ourselves, and sometimes we just need to rest in the fact, you're God, I'm going to worship you and let you figure it out from here. Second reason is maybe I'll call it the creation reason. We are only here because he made us and there is a worthiness in worship of us just acknowledging that we come from a holy god thirdly there is a possession reason we are his people the sheep of his pasture that means he cares for us we've already talked about that in psalm 23 there is a devotion reason that is there is he is good he loves us and get this not our devotion to him, he's devoted to us. His devotion is to our goodness. And finally, there is a correction reason. The word faithfulness in the CSB, but I like where the King James says this. It says, his truth, his truth. What does that mean? His word it corrects us along the way. That's just a little bit of the reason. That, but listen, that is plenty of reason to be excited in worship. When you worship that God, why wouldn't you be excited when you worship that God? Why wouldn't you get your praise on? I got to wondering this year. Really, this, truly, I know I'm all in sports today, but I'm a man, and so um, I, I got to wondering this year when it came to attendance in Major League Baseball games. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? So. What got me on this subject was I was looking at attendance in Major League Baseball parks, and here's what I noticed. Winners had higher attendance. Well, now, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Does attendance lead to higher winning, or does winning lead to higher attendance? I know this is exactly how your brain works, too. You're not going to believe this. I found a study. That's what my kids are going to put on my tombstone. He found a study. So I'm only going to read this phrase once because it's true of all four points. When controlling for year stadium capacity and team payroll, we're going to say that one time. Major League Baseball teams with an average attendance equal to or over 75% of stadium capacity are more likely to have a winning percentage over 550 than Major League Baseball teams that have an average attendance under 75% of stadium capacity. So here's what we're saying. If, 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 the stadium equals 75% of capacity or greater in attendance, they are more likely to have a 550 winning percentage, which most of the time will get you in the playoffs. Well, they kept going. A Major League Baseball team with an average attendance greater than or equal to 75% of stadium capacity has a higher winning percentage than a Major League Baseball team with an average attendance under 75% of stadium capacity. So again, here's what we find out. If your team averages 75% or greater in attendance, you're more likely to have a higher winning percentage than a stadium that has a less than 75% attendance. Let's keep going. The average attendance as a percentage of stadium capacity of a major league baseball team is positive related to the winning percentage. So get this, the higher the percentage, the higher the winning percentage. The higher the attendance, the higher the winning percentage. And finally, the higher average attendance based on percentage of stadium capacity of a major league baseball team, the more likely it is they'll have a winning percentage over 500. Now, I lost 95% of you in all this right here. Here's what I'm saying. People like to come out and watch a winner. That's all I said. People like to watch a winner. People want to cheer a winner. Listen this morning. I've read the back of the book. Guess what? We serve a winner. We worship a winner. Why would we sit idly by with our hands in our pockets? Why would we sit idly by with our minds somewhere else? Why would we be sitting here this morning worried about where we're going to lunch or worried about the football game? Why wouldn't we get excited? Why wouldn't we worship? Why wouldn't we sing? Why wouldn't you holler amen during a great sermon like this? You say, it's not my personality. but well, can I tell you something? It's not about you. If you're worried about your personality, I assure you, we're not here to worship you. And if somebody's watching you, they got their eyes on the wrong thing anyway. We're here to worship. We have a reason to worship. We have a reason to sing. We serve an almighty God. Number three, I got hung up on some of these points too long. Number three. You come to church with the responsibility in worship. Look, look at verse number two. It, it says in verse number two, serve the Lord. Talking about church service. Serve the Lord in with gladness. He, here, here's what he's saying. that Listen, worship is not a spectator sport. You ought to have something to do when you come here. You know, football is a spectator sport. You know what they say? There's 22 men on a field who desperately need a break, and there's 100,000 people in the stands who desperately need the exercise. Worship is not the spectator sport. First of all, there ought to be worship activity. He said, serve. He's talking about a church service. Serve the Lord. That is when you come to church, can I just tell you? Can I be honest? You ought to have a job to do. You have a spiritual gift by God. You have a calling by God. You ought to find a place to serve the Lord. But not only that, there's a worship attitude. Say it with me. Serve the Lord with Can I tell you this? I don't have to preach on Sunday. I get to preach. The music team doesn't have to sing. They get to sing. You don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. You don't have to greet. You get to greet. You don't have to make coffee. You get to make coffee. You don't have to work with kids. You get to work with kids. You find that one thing you can do really well and you do it. You say, preacher, what if I don't know my giftedness? What if I don't know my calling? What if I don't feel called to anything? Do you you know this? God takes sweat and enthusiasm as well. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Just find a place to sweat. God will take it. And do it with enthusiasm. You don't have to do it all. Just do one thing really well. And when you do it with the right attitude and serve the Lord with gladness. Man, I'm on sports today, but it's all right. Listen, I went back and I found a video of every eight-minute video of every game-winning kick in 2022. NFL kickers. According to one NFL analyst, NFL field goal kickers ranked 23rd, as, ranked as the 23rd most valuable player on an NFL football team, 23rd. That means every offensive player and every defensive player was more important than the field goal kicker. But you know what I find troubling about that? I have eight minutes worth of video from 2022 of games kickers won. You know how that goes if you're a football fan, college, NFL, high school, whatever it may be. There have been moments of complete adulation in your life because of a field goal. And there's been plenty of lamps broken in your living room because of a missed field goal. But you you know what kickers do? They don't even kick off for football games anymore. They rarely do that. They have one job. Put that ball between those two yellow posts, that's it. And when they do their job well, we are all very happy. They may be ranked as the 23rd most valuable player on a team, but man, they feel important when the game's on the line. Can I tell you this morning, you may feel like the church field goal kickers, but you can win games. You know, if you, if you just give somebody Walking in those doors, an enthusiastic handshake, you're winning games. If you just give somebody a smile that they haven't seen all week, you're winning games. If you'll just sing glory to God next to somebody who's down and out, you're winning games. If you'll just teach that Sunday school lesson with vigor and enthusiasm, you're winning games. Can I, listen, if you'll just change that diaper so mom and daddy can come in here and hear the gospel and be saved and hear the gospel and get right and hear the message and learn how to parent, you're winning games. If you'll just keep teach the kids and the teenagers and help them grow close to jesus you're winning games if you'll just fix a cup of coffee so somebody can get woken up so they can worship god you're winning games god will take sweat and enthusiasm if you'll serve the lord with gladness finally number four come to church with the refrain of worship You say, well, preacher, I can't sing. Come on in, the water's fine. But nobody said we have to have a tune in our hearts. We have to have a song in our heart, continually think. Here are the words that are used in Psalm 100. We won't go back and read them all. Three words I see, singing, thanksgiving, praise. Singing, thanksgiving, praise. Singing, thanksgiving, praise praise he says this verse 2 come before him with joyful songs not in tune songs praise God I wouldn't know an in tune song if it ran over me with a semi-truck I don't know but I know a joyful song joyful songs thanksgiving and praise that is the refrain of worship now we want people on stage be able to carry a tune in a bucket so the rest of us can enjoy it but for the rest of us You say, do I need to sing out loud? You do. You do. You need to sing out loud. Um, some, some of you men are like, well, I don't want to hear myself sing. I know. That's why the music's loud. <laughs> it is. That's why the music's loud. If I can hear myself sing over here, I take out my phone, I text our wonderful people back here in the sound booth, and I say, turn it up. I can hear myself sing. That's, my, that's the only measuring rod I have is if I can hear myself sing. I don't want anybody to hear me sing but I want God to hear me sing. You ought to come to church with thanksgiving praise. Our conversations ought to be more about Jesus than they are about football on Sundays. Our whole time here ought to be bragging on the Lord. Close your Bibles, I'm I'm finished. I'm I'm gonna close with two illustrations. One's gonna get me in trouble, and I hope one bails me out. I don't know if y'all know, Georgia beat Tennessee yesterday. We we let them score one touchdown just to give them a little hope so we could crush it later on in in the game. Um, It's very anticlimactic for me. I was expecting more, but, I mean, after all, Dolly Parton showed up and sang. That should have won the game for them. I don't understand why that didn't work, but. Somebody put in our text thread, and I, I just couldn't believe I watched this happen. What was the score? Anybody remember the score of the game? Was it 38-10? score's 38-10. They're panning the crowd, what's left of the crowd. And there's, there's like a minute and a half left in the game, and the whole stadium singing that stupid song. You know the song, Right? Rocky Flop, Tennessee, (laughs) home sweet home to me, good old Rocky Flop, Rocky Flop, Tennessee. They're singing Rocky Flop, and their team's losing, losing, losing. And I thought, you'll never hear me say this again as long as I live. I thought we could learn something or two from a Tennessee fan. I mean, all that team does is lose. (laughs) And there they are singing Rocky Flop at the end of a game. All our God does is win. And we keep our hands in our pockets when we come to church. Not ready to worship, not ready to sing, not ready to do anything to express our joy and our thanksgiving for a God who saved us. I like it, Psalm 100, verse 1, in the King James Version. Make a, say it with me, make a Joy. joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. You say, preacher, I'm not good at it. You're at least this good. Ten seconds, hang with me. Stand, stand, stand with me before I play it. Let's just stand. I want you to know I'm trying to quit. Let's just stand. Here's ten seconds. i Right, that's worth watching one more time i mean
0: i'm yeah. no. yeah. no to I yeah. Pray yeah. Pray yeah. the i'm so to to crazy
1: It got weird after that, so I cut it off, but um, there's a four-year-old and a three-year-old who can sing praise to an almighty God they learned in preschool. What are we doing? What are we doing? You ought to come to church ready to worship. God has given you all the reasons to worship. You ought to serve when you get here. And you ought to have joy in your heart. I don't care whether that's expressed in a song, in a clap, in a raised hand. Hey, in an amen. You know what, you, you know what amen means? Do you, know, you know what the impetus behind you saying amen in my sermon means? It means so let it be. It means I agree with the word of God. I'll take amens. Because it means we're on the same page when it comes to the word of God. However you do it, find a way to get your praise on. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?
0: Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message on worship and praising God and, man, how the posture of our hearts uh, should be a posture of praise. And when we come to church, whether it's online or in the house, we need to have an attitude that is ready uh, to worship God and hear the word that God has for us and um, maybe um, that's not the posture of your heart because you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and that your sin has separated you from God. You've gotta be willing to admit that. You've gotta believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He was buried, but on the third day, He rose again to pay the price for my sin and for your sin. You've got to believe that. And then thirdly, you have to confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, We believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth and we are saved. Perhaps God has spoken to your heart this morning and you need to give your heart and life to Christ. Tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, conquering sin, death, and hell for me. And God, right now, I ask you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, to take up residence in my heart. Lord, be my savior. I give my life to you, in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, we want to say welcome to the family. We want to celebrate that decision with you, and we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. So we've just dropped a link in the chat box. This is I Commit My Life to Christ. Click on that, answer a couple of questions. We had several people do this last week, and uh, we'll be in contact with you this week. Hey, it has been fantastic to worship together this morning. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's
1: word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org.
0: Thanks for listening.